0: Chapter Eleven Part Three of How I Found Livingstone. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. How I Found Livingstone Travels, Adventures, and Discoveries in Central Africa, including Four Months' Residence with Dr. Livingstone, by Sir Henry M. Stanley. Chapter Eleven Part Three through Ukawindi, Uvinza, and Uha, to Ujiji. November 6th At dawn we were on the road, very silent and sad. Our stock of cloth was much diminished. We had nine bales left, sufficient to have taken us to the Atlantic Ocean, aided by the bees which were yet untouched, if we practiced economy. If I met many more like Mianvu, I had not enough to take me to Ujiji, and though we were said to be so near, Livingston seemed to me to be just as far as ever. We crossed the Pombwee, and then struck across a slowly undulating plain rising gradually to mountains on our right, and on our left sinking towards the valley of the Malagarazi, which river was about twenty miles away. Villages rose to our view everywhere. Food was cheap, milk was plentiful, and the butter good. After a four-hour's march, we crossed the Kaningi River, and entered the boma of Kirihigi, inhabited by several Watusi and Waha. Here, we were told, lived the king of Uha's brother. This announcement was anything but welcome, and I began to suspect I had fallen into another hornet's nest. We had not rested two hours before two Wangwana entered my tent, who were slaves of Thani ben Abdullah, our dandified friend of Unyan These men came, on the part of the king's brother, to claim the hanga. The king's brother demanded thirty doughty, half a bale, merciful providence. What shall I do? We have been told by Mianvu that the hanga of Uha was settled, and now here is another demand for the king's brother. It is the second time the lie has been told, and we have twice been deceived. We shall be deceived no more. These two men informed us there were five more chiefs, living but two hours from each other, who would exact tribute, or blackmail, like those we had seen. Knowing this much, I felt a certain calm. It was far better to know the worst at once. Five more chiefs, with their demands, would assuredly ruin us. In view of which, what is to be done? How am I to reach Livingston without being beggared? Dismissing the men, I called Bombay and told him to assist Asmani in settling the Honga, as cheaply as possible. I then lit my pipe, put on the cap of consideration, and began to think. Within half an hour I had made a plan, which was to be attempted to be put in execution that very night. I summoned the two slaves of Thani ben Abdullah, after the Honga had been settled to everybody's satisfaction though the profoundest casuistries and diplomatic arguments failed to reduce it lower than twenty-six doughty, and began asking them about the possibility of evading the tribute-taking Waha ahead. This rather astonished them at first, and they declared it to be impossible. But finally, after being pressed, they replied that one of their numbers should guide us at midnight, or a little after, into the jungle which grew on the frontiers of the Uha and Uvinza. By keeping a direct west course through this jungle until we came to Ukaranga, we might be enabled, we were told, to travel through Uha without further trouble. If I were willing to pay the guide twelve dhoti, and if I were able to impose silence on my people while passing through the sleeping village, the guide was positive I could reach Ujiji without paying another dhoti. It is needless to add that I accepted the proffered assistance at such a price with joy. But there was much to be done. Provisions were to be purchased, sufficient to last four days for the tramp through the jungle, and men were at once sent with cloth to purchase grain at any price. Fortune favored us, for before eight p.m. we had enough for six days. November 7th I did not go to sleep at all last night, but a little after midnight, as the moon was beginning to show itself, by gangs of four the men stole quietly out of the village, and by three a.m. the entire expedition was outside the Boma, and not the slightest alarm had been made. After a signal to the new guide, the expedition began to move in a southern direction along the right bank of the Kaningi River after an hour's march in this direction we struck west across the grassy plain and maintained it despite the obstacles we encountered which were sore enough to naked men the bright moon lighted our path dark clouds now and then cast immense long shadows over the deserted and silent plains and the moonbeams were almost obscured and at such times our position seemed awful till the moon Rising in clouded majesty, at length, apparent queen, unveiled her peerless light, and o'er the dark her silver mantle threw. Bravely toiled the men without murmur, though their legs were bleeding from the cruel grass. Ambrosial morn at last appeared with all its beautiful and lovely features. Heaven was born anew to us with comforting omens and cheery promise. THE MEN, THOUGH FATIGUED AT THE UNUSUAL TRAVEL, SPED FORWARD WITH QUICKER PACE AS DAYLIGHT BROKE, UNTIL AT 8 A.M. WE SIGHTED THE SWIFT RASUGI RIVER, WHEN A HALT WAS ORDERED IN A CLUMP OF JUNGLE NEAR IT, FOR BREAKFAST AND REST. BOTH BANKS OF THE RIVER WERE ALIVE WITH BUFFALO, ELAND, AND ANTELOPE, BUT THOUGH THE SIGHT WAS VERY TEMPTING, WE DID NOT FIRE, BECAUSE WE DARED NOT. THE REPORT OF A GUN WOULD HAVE ALARMED THE WHOLE COUNTRY. I preferred my coffee, and the contentment which my mind experienced at our success. An hour after we had rested, some natives carrying salt from the Malagarazi were seen coming up the right bank of the river. When abreast of our hiding-place, they detected us, and dropping their salt bags, they took to their heels at once, shouting as they ran, to alarm some villages that appeared about four miles north of us. The men were immediately ordered to take up their loads, and in a few minutes we had crossed the Rasugi, and were making direct for a bamboo jungle that appeared in our front. On, on, we kept steadily, until at 1 p.m. we sighted the little lake of Masunia. as wearied as possible with our nine-hours' march. Lake Masunia is one of the many circular basins found in this part of Uha. There was quite a group of them the more correct term of these lakes would be immense pools in the masica season lake Masunia must extend to three or four miles in length by two in breadth it swarms with hippopotami and its shores abound with noble game we were very quiet as may be imagined in our bivouac neither tent nor hunt was raised nor was fire kindled so that in case of pursuit we could move off without delay I kept my Winchester rifle, the gift of my friend Mr. Morris, and a rare gift it was for such a crisis, with its magazine full, and two hundred cartridges in a bag slung over my shoulders. Each soldier's gun was also ready and loaded, and we retired to sleep our fatigues off with a feeling of perfect security. November 8th Long before dawn appeared, we were on the march, and as daylight broke— we emerged from the bamboo jungle, and struck across the naked plain of Uha, once more passing several large pools by the way, far-embracing prospects of undulating country, with here and there a characteristic clump of trees relieving the general nudity of the whole. Hour after hour we toiled on, across the rolling land-waves, the sun shining with all its wonted African fervor, but with its heat slightly tempered by the welcome breezes which came laden with the fragrance of young grass and perfume of strange flowers of various hues that flecked the otherwise pale green sheet which extended so far around us we arrived at the Rugafu river not the ukawindi Rugafu, but the northern stream of that name a tributary of the malagarazi It was a broad, shallow stream, and sluggish, with an almost imperceptible flow southwest. While we halted in the deep shade afforded by a dense clump of jungle, close to the right bank, resting a while before continuing our journey, I distinctly heard a sound as of distant thunder in the west. Upon asking if it were thunder, I was told it was Cabogo. Cabogo? What is that?' It is a great mountain on the other side of the Tanganyika full of deep holes into which the water rolls and when there is a wind on the Tanganyika there is a sound like mvuha thunder many boats have been lost there and it is a custom with Arabs and natives to throw cloth Marikani and Kaniki and especially white Marikani beads to appease the malungu God of the lake those who throw beads generally get past without trouble But those who do not throw beads into the lake get lost and are drowned oh it is a dreadful place this story was told me by the ever-smiling guide asmani and was corroborated by other former mariners of the lake whom I had with me at the least this place where we halted for dinner on the banks of the rugafu river is eighteen and a half hours or forty six miles from Ujiji and as kabogo is said to be near uguha it must be over sixty miles from ujiji therefore the sound of the thundering surf which is said to roll into the caves of kabogo was heard by us at a distance of over one hundred miles away from them continuing our journey for three hours longer through thin forest over extensive beds of primitive rock among fields of large boulders thickly strewn about passing by numerous herds of buffalo giraffe and zebra over a quaking quagmire which resembled peat we arrived at the small stream of sanuzi to a camping place only a mile removed from a large settlement of waha but we were buried in the depths of a great forest no road was in the vicinity no noise was made deep silence was preserved nor were fires lit we might therefore rest tranquilly secure, certain that we should not be disturbed. To-morrow morning the Keringozi has promised we shall be out of Uha, and if we travel on to Neamtaga and Ukaranga the same day, the next day would see us in Ujiji. Patience, my soul, a few hours more, then the end of all this will be known. I shall be face to face with that white man with the white hairs on his face, whoever he is.' november ninth two hours before dawn we left our camp on the sanuzi river and struck through the forest in a north by west direction having muzzled our goats previously lest by their bleeding they might betray us this was a mistake which might have ended tragically for just as the eastern sky began to assume a pale grayish tint we emerged from the jungle on the high road the guide thought we had passed Uha, AND SET UP A SHOUT WHICH WAS ECHOED BY EVERY MEMBER OF THE CARAVAN, AND MARCHED ONWARD WITH NEW VIGOUR AND INCREASED ENERGY. WHEN PLUMP, WE CAME TO THE OUTSKIRTS OF A VILLAGE, THE INHABITANTS OF WHICH WERE BEGINNING TO STIR. SILENCE WAS CALLED FOR AT ONCE, AND THE EXPEDITION HALTED IMMEDIATELY. I WALKED FORWARD TO THE FRONT TO ADVISE WITH THE GUIDE. HE DID NOT KNOW WHAT TO DO. THERE WAS NO TIME TO CONSIDER, SO I ORDERED THE GOATS TO BE SLAUGHTERED AND LEFT ON THE ROAD and the guide to push on boldly through the village the chickens also had their throats cut after which the expedition resumed the march quickly and silently led by the guide who had orders to plunge into the jungle south of the road I stayed until the last man had disappeared then after preparing my Winchester brought up the rear followed by my gun bearers with their stock of ammunition As we were about disappearing beyond the last hut, a man darted out of his hut, and uttered an exclamation of alarm, and loud voices were heard, as if in dispute. But in a short time we were in the depths of the jungle, hurrying away from the road in a southern direction, and edging slightly westward. Once I thought we were pursued, and I halted behind a tree to check our foes if they persisted in following us, but a few minutes proved to me that we were not pursued after half an hour's march we again turned our faces westward it was broad daylight now and our eyes were delighted with most picturesque and sequestered little valleys where wild fruit trees grew and rare flowers blossomed and tiny brooks tumbled over polished pebbles where all was bright and beautiful until finally wading through one pretty pure streamlet whose soft murmurs we took for a gentle welcome we passed the boundary of wicked Uha, and had entered Ukaranga, an event that was hailed with extravagant shouts of joy. Presently we found the smooth road, and we trod gaily with elastic steps, with limbs quickened for the march which we all knew to be drawing near its end. What cared we now for the difficulties we had encountered, for the rough and cruel forest, for the thorny thickets and hurtful grass, for the jangle of all savagedom, of which we had been the joyless audience. To-morrow, aye, the great day draws nigh, and we may well laugh and sing while in this triumphant mood. We have been sorely tried. We have been angry with each other when vexed by troubles. But we forget all these now, and there is no face but is radiant with the happiness we have all deserved. We made a short halt at noon for rest and refreshment. I was shown the hills from which the Tanganyika could be seen, which bounded the valley of the Liuche on the east. I could not contain myself at the sight of them. Even with this short halt I was restless and unsatisfied. We resumed the march again. I spurred my men forward with the promise that to-morrow should see their reward. We were in sight of the villages of the Wakaranga the people caught sight of us and manifested considerable excitement i sent men ahead to reassure them and they came forward to greet us this was so new and welcome to us so different from the turbulent wavenza and the blackmailers of Uha that we were melted but we had no time to loiter by the way to indulge our joy i was impelled onward by almost uncontrollable feelings i wished to resolve my doubts and fears was he still there had he heard of my coming would he fly how beautiful Ukaranga appears the green hills are crowned by clusters of straw thatched cones the hills rise and fall here denuded and cultivated there in pasturage here timbered yonder swarming with huts the country has somewhat the aspect of Maryland we cross the mkudi a glorious little river we ascend the opposite bank and stride through the forest like men who have done a deed of which they may be proud we have already travelled nine hours and the sun is sinking rapidly towards the west yet apparently we are not fatigued we reach the outskirts of niamtaga and we hear drums beat the people are flying into the woods they desert their villages for they take us to be the forest thieves of morombo who after conquering the arabs of unyenyimbi are coming to fight the arabs of ujiji even the king flies from his village and every man woman and child terror-stricken follows him we enter into it and quietly take possession finally the word is brooded out that we are wangwana from unyenyimbi well then is morombo dead they ask no we answer well, how did you come to Ukaranga? By way of Ukanongo, Ukawindi and Uha. Oh, highly! Then they laugh heartily at their fright and begin to make excuses. The king is introduced to me, and he says he had only gone to the woods in order to attack us again. He meant to have come back and killed us all if we had been Ruga-Ruga, but then we know the poor king was terribly frightened and would never have dared to return had we been Ruga, Ruga, not he. We are not, however, in a mood to quarrel with him about an idiomatic phrase peculiar to him, but rather take him by the hand and shake it well, and say we are so very glad to see him, and he shares in our pleasure, and immediately three of the fattest sheep, pots of beer, flour, and honey are brought to us as a gift, and I make him happier still with two of the finest cloths I have in my bales, and thus a friendly pact is entered into between us. While I write my diary of this day's proceedings, I tell my servant to lay out my new flannel suit, to oil my boots, to chalk my helmet, and fold a new puggery around it, that I may make as presentable an appearance as possible before the white man with the gray beard, and before the Arabs of Ujiji, for the clothes I have worn through the jungle and forest are in tatters. Good night. Only let one day come again, and we shall see what we shall see. End of chapter 11, part 3